Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as our guest speaker delivers this week's message. Good morning, all. Dale, are you still alive? Holy cow, I thought you'd be dead by now. <laughs> uh, great job, students. Would you please give them a round of appreciation and applause today? That was outstanding. I was looking forward to hearing uh, Garrett. I've never heard Garrett, so I wanted to hear him today. But I understand ah, they got hitched. Congratulations, you guys. That is awesome. Is this the first time they've been back in the service since they've got? Okay, applaud to them, too. Awesome. Hey! God bless you guys. Well, thank you, everyone, for meeting and greeting me. Uh, many of you I don't know, but many of you uh, I do know, but I didn't know I know you until you spoke and said something. So God bless you, Lisa Hager, for reminding me who you were. Uh, and uh, again, my name is Chuck Holt. Vicki is my, hey, that's Greg Povich. Uh, my sister is uh, the o- much older sibling over here sitting with Joe. Ah. But if you, how many of you, do you know my, remember my father? So according to my father, I'm doing really good. Come on, I'm all right, yeah. But um, it is a joy to be here today. I'm grateful for the staff. Dolly uh, Brown helped me the other day, kind of put some things together. I've never preached this message in our church before. And then, of course, your staff, Josh, everybody, been very helpful. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to see everybody today. And the Lord bless you. Calvary, Calvary, gosh. This church has been around forever, I think 75 years last week. Is that right? Lord bless you. Uh, this is awesome. You have an awesome testimony, and I'm very encouraged about you. I'm thankful for Stephen Shelley. Amen. 11 years plus, I guess it was. I asked Sharon if she was disappointed they were leaving and, or they're gone, and she said, no, the Lord is bigger than I am, and I thought that was an awesome thing to say, and uh, we'll continue to pray for Stephen Shelley, but I'm grateful for them. I'm thankful for you. We will remain faithful until the Lord provides our next leader. Amen? Amen. We will not quit. We will not stop. We will not give up. We will continue to honor the Lord. Uh, Pastor, no pastor. COVID, no COVID. We don't care. We're going to honor the Lord in a powerful way as he gives us strength. Uh, so, hey, let me introduce my r- wife real quick. You want to stand up, babe? Would you mind standing up? This is my wife, Sandy. We've been married 40 years. And uh, we, we started a church about 20 years ago, south side of Atlanta, where the NASCAR track is. You can, by the way, the crow flies. We're about a mile from the NASCAR track in Hampton, Georgia. And we've been there about 20 years, and the Lord has used us there. We're grateful for that. And, uh, but we were thankful that... that um, we got to come speak with you guys today. This is what I want you to do. I want you to open your Bibles, if you would please, to John chapter 14. Now, this is what, this is what I preach. So don't, don't freak out because I'm not getting out of order. Don't, just be calm, be calm. This is the way I do it. I have a, a main text that I want you to use your Bible on. I want you to carry your Bibles. You should, carry, you should bring your Bible. Or you could use your phone. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not opposed to somebody looking up Bible Gateway or whatever you use, U version Bible. That's fine. But if I look up and you're going, I know you're not in the Bible, so kind of keep, keep, keep focused if you can. 
But I'm going to be in John chapter 14 today, and I'm going to speak on the truth of heaven. And as I said, I've never preached this in my home church. We, we, did, we did this service at the racetrack in July. There was a tent, and they asked me to come speak at this service, and I preached this there. And I thought, what could I encourage Taylorville with? What, what could I show the Lord's direction and love in Taylorville with? And I thought, I'm going to do this message on heaven. And I think sometimes people forget there is a heaven. But I want to remind you today that there is a heaven. And if there is a heaven, the Scripture talks about then then there is a hell. And I want to remind us that we are supposed to be about heaven or even knowing about hell. And I think many churches, and I'm the, I'm the same way, we don't speak enough about those things. We don't remind people there is an end game to this, and for us who are Christians, it's eternity with the Lord. And, and for those who are wondering, there is a, an abyss, a bottomless pit. And so it was Sunday, and the fifth grade class was meeting. And the teacher was going to quiz her fifth grade students about heaven or about hell. And she said, if I sold my house and I sold all I have and I gave all my money to the poor, would that get me to heaven? And you could see the fifth graders, all of them saying, no. And then she said, well, if I, if I kept my house really nice and planted flowers and I fed all the stray animals around, they said, she said, would that get me to heaven? And again, they all unanimously, they know better. No. And then she said, well, if I was kind to all the animals and polite to everyone and even fed the homeless and loved everybody, she said, would that get me to heaven? And everyone said no. And there was a new kid in the back, first time in the class. He yelled, you got to be dead. It is true. If current statistics apply, 100% of us will pass into eternity. Barna Research says this. Worldwide, three people die every second. Worldwide, 180 people die every minute. Worldwide, 11,000 people die every hour. That means 250,000 people every day will drop off into eternity, abyss without God, or they'll spend eternity with the Lord. I can't believe Jim Shanks is gone. Can you, Cindy? Oh, my gosh. And I warned her I was going to... We were going to talk about this for a minute. Jim Shanks was probably one of the most encouraging people in my life when I left here, went to Baptist Bible College. Every time I came home, he took me serious like I was a real Bible college student and would be somebody someday. He was always so loving. He would somewhat interview me about how school was going, and he, he was one of the people who made me feel legitimate. As Jim slips into eternity, 
so will we. 82% of all Americans believe in heaven. 63, <clears throat> 63% believe they're going to go to heaven. Now, Matthew 7 says, the way to heaven is, do you know how it describes the road? Narrow. But the road to the abyss is wide, and everyone goes together, and everyone's happy and great. Let's all go and do blah, 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 blah. And so today, I wanted to give you a reminder about heaven, and I want us to be more consumed with the thoughts of eternity this morning. I want us to be consumed about it. Well, in a few minutes, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians, and Paul talks about three heavens, and I want to explain that to you a little bit, but I want to look at John chapter 14 right now, verses 1 through 4. If you've got your Bible open, um, we're, we're, we're going to read this text, and I'm going to come back to it. I'm just going to read it now, and I'll, re- I'll refer to it in a few minutes. It said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, the disciples were very afraid because Jesus was telling them, I'm going to go to the cross and die. And so he's looking at the disciples, but he's also looking over the disciples to you and I. And he's saying, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Now, Georgia is a more conservative state, but we still have crazy things going on in Georgia. And I get anxious thinking about those things. And I don't want my grandkids to not have the life that I had. Can you relate to that? Say, I do. I want my children, I want my grandchildren to live in the America that I was raised in. I, I want them to have freedoms and liberties. You have to remember, and I know you do, the Lord told us the end times, the last days, would look like this. And worse, when the lawless one, the Antichrist, comes upon the earth. And so he's telling his disciples, don't be troubled, don't be worried. If you believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. I'm using the NIV. You know, King James says, in my Father's house there are many mansions. But NIV says rooms, so therefore the closeness is highlighted. Many rooms that were not so. Would I have told you that I was going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way and the place where I am going. The Scripture mentions heaven five over 500 times. Why is that? Because the Lord wanted us to remember these things. He wanted us to know there is an eternity, and this is not all there is. And if we're not reminded about heaven, we begin to think, well, I need to make this life absolutely the best that I can. I need to make this life as awesome as I can. But still, the Scripture reminds us there's going to be a place for us to be together. Now, I mentioned, and Paul mentioned that, uh, that, that there are three heavens, and I want to explain that just real quick today along with some other things. So let me talk first about the first heaven. You know, Paul, Paul talks about how he was called up to the third heaven. Well, if there's three heavens, 
And there's got to be a couple more heavens. So look at Isaiah. chapter. These supporting verses will all be on the screen. Chapter 55, 9 and 10. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. As rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth or making it burn or flourish, so that it yields seed to the sower and bread to the eater. It says here that snow and rain come down from heaven. I think it was Josh that mentioned this. I live in Atlanta. We don't have harvest like you guys have. It's the most beautiful sight to see a combine in a field picking corn. If you don't think it is, move away for a few years and then come back. Yesterday we're and, and Friday we're running around. Oh, my gosh. The sky was beautiful. Did you see it yesterday? Did you think it was beautiful? Say it was. Oh, my gosh. To see that corn against the blue sky with the white clouds, the Scripture says that's the first layer of heaven where the birds fly. You don't understand how beautiful it is until you move away from here and you don't see those sights anymore. But the first heaven is the heaven that we see where the, uh, again, the clouds and all of those and it brings rain. Here's the second heaven. Uh, Paul, again, talks about three heavens. So the second heaven is mentioned in Genesis chapter 1, 14 through 16. Now let me read the NIV version that I have. It says this. And God said, let there be lights and expansions of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let there be signs of four seasons, four days and years. And let them be lights in the expansion of heaven and to give light upon the earth. And so it was. So the second heaven Paul talks about is where the stars and the moon is. Again, the other night we walked outside. I think it was Thursday night. And the stars were lit up. Just gorgeous. Paul says that is the second heaven that the Scripture talks about. And in fact, it again is gorgeous. And God chose for us to see the heaven and the sun and the moon and the stars. Well, then I want to get to, to, the, to the third heaven. The third heaven is the one that we are most interested in or that you should be most interested in and you should care the most about. And, and Paul talks about his experience in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 and 4. I should point here. I know a man in Christ, and he's talking about himself. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, again, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He's calling the third heaven paradise. And heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Paul was taken up in the third heaven. He says, I don't know if I was in the spirit or if I was in the body. I have no clue. But he says, that is Paradise. The third heaven is where we're going to be, where we're going to go. 
this is what Paul wants to express to us. In fact, he continues on a couple of verses here. He says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says this, In the same way, and he's talking about good works, In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father. And I'm going to ask you to say it. Glorify your Father in, you say it. Right. So he's saying the third heaven is where we're going to go, and the third heaven is where God is right now, and he is waiting there for us. And then I got one more. Psalm 11, verse 4 says this. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his holy throne. He observes everyone on earth, and his eyes examine them. Again, the Lord is in his heavenly throne. In fact, we're taught in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, who art in... That's right. Okay, so we understand the third heaven, and we understand that we want to go to the third heaven. That's where we want to be. And so, again, I want to draw your attention to first... I say again, but I want to draw your attention to the place of heaven. I want to talk just a few minutes what heaven is like and because uh, I, I want us to be familiar and understand what's going on. Again, I want to look at John 14, 1 through 3. He talks about this place. Again, he's fighting anxiety. He knows the disciples are going to be very nervous. He knows at this stage of our lives, we would be nervous We would be anxious. Why is the world doing this? Why is it like this? Why are all these things taking place? And he says, don't be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house were many rooms. Jesus is talking about heaven as a place. It's not a state of mind. There's not a soul sleep. Absent from the body is to be present with the... So when you close your eyes, boom, pass off of this earth, you go immediately to a place. It's described several ways in the Scripture. It's described as a country. It's described as a a place. There's a vastness to heaven. It will be gorgeous and glorious. It's described as a celestial city. Streets of gold. Gates of pearl. There are 12 entrances to heaven. Each gate is one large pearl. The buildings will be made of diamonds and jaspers and ruby. I mean, it's going to be awesome. It's described as a kingdom. It's described as a kingdom because God will be the king. He will be in charge. It will be his government. And then lastly, the last one I have is it's described as the Father's house. I, I, I love the Father's house. Uh, of course, both of our, our parents are gone, which is so disappointing. I, I love coming back and seeing my aunts and all those people here. But Calvary still is home for me. I, I trust you feel like it's your home. Do you love Calvary? Say, I do. Be praying for your leadership. I'm sure you are. Be praying for your church. This, until we reach eternity, this is our home. 
we're fortunate enough that we have five children. My oldest son is not in church. And he said to me, I, I just want to move someplace where everybody has the same values and everybody's kind to each other. I just want to go to a place where, where, where I, I, I can be myself and be not judged for what I am or what I'm not. And I said, his name is Garrett. I said, Garrett, don't you understand? Your mother and I have spent our entire life putting together the church, which is what we're supposed to be, a like-minded community, same values, same priorities, loving each other, coming together continually. I know you're going to have all kinds of issues. You always will. If there's, if there's people involved, it's going to be jacked up. You know that. But that's okay. It's all right. So it is a place, and it's, a, it's our Father's house. Okay, I want to talk about the value of heaven. The, the value of heaven, and I hope I bring some things out that you hadn't thought about before. I did a first six weeks ago, two months ago. I did a funeral for a, a husband and wife. They, they were married over 60 years. Now, it, it was a thing where they were cremated in COVID, and they waited till after COVID, so they didn't die together. But the bottom line is I've, I've never done a funeral where there was a husband and wife. They were married 64 years. There's some things about heaven that, that, that are so vital. First of all, I want you to know in heaven, our Redeemer is there, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God is there. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ did not enter a mandate sanctuary that is a copy of the true, true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. One of the most valuable things about heaven is our Redeemer will be there. Now, now, now there's, a great, there's a great scene. When you get to eternity, when you get to heaven, there's going to be two, there's going to be two judgments. There's the great white throne judgment. Say that next to whoever you're with. Say, there's a great white throne judgment. I want you to say it out loud. Now, the great white throne judgment, if you're in that line, oh, it's not, it's not, it's not good. You, you will step up to the, to the Lord, and, and he will say, why should I let you in heaven? In the great white throne judgment, people will say, well, I trick-or-treated for UNICEF. Well, I gave to the Moose Club. Well, I did go to church. I, 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 did, I did give offering when I could, when I had a chance. I did, I did. And he will say at the great white throne judgment, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because I never, you say it. Now, I don't know. People ask me this question. Is there going to be a big, long line? Is, is there going to be a screen that shows all my... I don't know about any of that. I know God is omnipresent, and if he wanted to judge everybody, boom, like that, he could do it. So, the great white throne judgment. But then there's the judgment seat of Christ. The Bema seat. The lifted up seat. And this is the seat, or this is the judgment that those of us that know the Lord, we will step up 
and we will be judged one at a time. And I'm so excited to tell you this. I've done a lot of reading on it. It's going to go something like this. The Lord Jesus, in my mind, he's going to take my hands, going to take your hands, and he's going to get close because he is my personal Lord and Savior. Come on, come on. Is he your personal Lord and Savior? And he's going to draw you close. And he's not going to have funky coffee breath like my mother always had. He will, not, he will not say words of disappointment. He will not say, oh, couldn't you come a little more? Couldn't you give? No, no. He's going to say something like this. He's going to look you in the eye, and he's going to say, I've waited for this moment for your whole lifetime. And he's going to say, you trusted me as your Savior. And because you did that, I have some rewards for you. And I don't know if it's going to be a wheelbarrow made of gold rims. I have no clue. I don't know how it works. If it's going to matter. If angels are going to. I don't care about any of that. One of the most valuable things about heaven is that you're going to stand before the Savior. And you're going to receive your rewards. Romans 8.1 says, Now, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None of your sin. Remember that time you got drunk? Really, Rick? That no. <laughs> remember that time you got drunk? Hey, when you receive Christ, all your sins are paid for, and He doesn't remember it either. He doesn't care about any of those things. At the bema seat, you're only going to get your rewards. Now, listen. You're you're standing there, and you're holding His hand. And your hand slips up just a little bit on his wrist. And you feel the nail holes while you're holding his hand. That is one of the most valuable redeeming qualities of eternity. That you will meet the Savior face to face. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about streets of gold. Right? I think, I think we're going to be able to fly. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about being able to dunk a basketball. But the value of heaven first is that we will see the Redeemer. The second value of heaven is relationships in heaven. Everybody we love is going to be in heaven. The Father, the Son, all those who's gone on before you. In 2019, Ladies Home Journal had a survey, and they listed the three top people in heaven that people want to see. Who do you want to see when you get to eternity? Okay, I'm going to tell you the number, and you, then you guess who it is. 31% want to see this category of people. Who is it in your life? You're supposed to guess at this point. Who? Who? She said, parents, 31% mother. When a survey was given, who do you want to see first? 31% said mother. 16% said who? Makes sense, father. And then 10% said spouse. I don't know what that really means. I don't know. (laughs) I don't get that. Maybe it's the way the question was asked. I don't know. But 10% said spouse. 
Well, the value of heaven also will be our residence. This world is not our home. We're on a visa. You know, visa is temporary. You can travel somewhere on a visa and stay there for a long period of time, 70, 80, 90 years. This is not our home. When you get to, get to heaven, you will finally feel at home. You will finally have rest. You will be at home. And then I mentioned a few minutes ago, in heaven, you're going to receive your rewards. We'll give you these five crowns. And again, I don't, I don't know how it works. I don't know if there's going to be a big bucket or wheelbarrow and he slides them to you. Or I, 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 I don't have any idea. But we are going to receive our rewards. In fact, Matthew chapter 5, verse 12 says this. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in, you say it. That's right. In heaven, for the same way they persecute the prophets who were before you. You see, you're earning rewards. And you say, I don't really know if that's really right or not. Yes, it is. Because do you know what you do with these rewards when you get them? He gives them to you. You're moved that you want to worship Him, and you give them right back for His honor and for His glory. Okay, there are five crowns that you can receive. Let me see. In your mind, you check them off. See if you're qualified or you get them. Number one is the victor's crown, and I'll just give you quickly. A victor's crown is for those who have a disciplined spiritual life. In other words, you fought the flesh, you picked up the cross, and you carried it daily, and you worked hard at honoring God. You're available for a victor's crown. Number two is the rejoicing crown. And the rejoicing crown is available for anyone who cares about lost souls. There's a debate. Have you got to win souls or do you care about them? Are you praying about them? I don't care. Just do it. Be concerned about unsafe folks and you win the rejoicing crown. Number three is the crown of righteousness. And this crown is for people who serve. Teaching. Loving. Caring. Working. Number four is the crown of life. This is a martyr's crown. I have a roommate in college, and you guys support Dave and Bonnie Jones, and they're in Beirut, Lebanon right now. And in Syria, it is against the law to be a Christian. And Dave and Bonnie keep moving closer and closer to the Syrian border because there's no witness there at all. And I said, you're just trying to put on an orange jumpsuit and get your head cut off is what you're trying to do. And he said, if it is, it is. That is the crown of life. And then last is the crown of glory. Shepherds, deacons, men, women who lead the church, this is the crown of glory. Well, the value of heaven is so powerful. But something we want to pay attention to now is the reservation. In heaven. I, I know you know there's a registry. Everybody who says they're going ain't going. There's a registry there. We used to sing this song all the time. Chuck Copeland would stand up here and sing and as a worship leader years ago. Anybody remember Chuck Copeland? That's, that's a long time ago. He's Bill Cobes. 
I understand Bill Cope's going to come and speak for us. He used to say, sing, there's a new name written down in heaven, and it's mine. Look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 27. Nothing impure will enter it, nor will anyone who does not, does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And there's a debate. When you're born, is your name written into that book? And then when you die without Christ, is it then blotted out? Or when you receive Christ and you're born again, is your name then written in? I don't know. There's not enough in the Scripture. But there's a registry there. Your name must be in it. Just not being a good person doesn't get you to heaven. And I love the story that David Jeremiah tells about Ruth Ann Metzger, who is a professional singer. She lives in the Seattle area. And she was invited to sing at this posh wedding. The richest family in Seattle had some, uh, some kids getting married, and Ruth Ann Metzger was hired for the wedding. And she sang, and the ceremony was glorious, and it was awesome. And she was so excited that the reception would be held at the Columbia Center, which is the tallest building in Seattle. The top two floors were reserved for the wedding reception. I love good wedding. Don't you love a good wedding? I love wedding cake. Did you guys have good wedding cake? Awesome. And, and so Ruth Ann Metzger was so excited for her and her husband Roy to go to this wedding. Woo! She sang. It went great. And so they got in the car and they went down to the Columbia Center and... Uh, she described it as being so opulent and ice statues everywhere. Oh, my goodness, food. And so for the reception to begin, the new bride and groom stepped up, and they had a, a sash across the stairway, and they took a ceremony scissors and cut the sash, and the bride and groom walked up this glorious staircase, and then everyone followed them. And before you could get into the reception... He stopped at the maitre d'. He stood right here, and he had a tuxedo on. And as they stepped up, he'd say, your name, please. Ruth Ann said, Roy and Ruth Ann Metzger is our name. And the maitre d' began to, to, to search. And he said, I'm sorry, could you spell it for me? He searched intently, and he turned around to another tuxedo man, and he said, would you please usher these folks to the elevator? They're not in the register. And Suzanne said, Ruth, Ruth Ann said, there must be a mistake. I, I'm a soloist. I sang at the wedding. I was a part of the ceremony. They've invited me. And, and he said, I don't, I don't care. If your name is not written in this registry, you're not going into reception. And with that, she said it was the heaviest walk of her life from the podium to the elevator. And the waiter opened the door and pushed G for ground floor to the parking garage. And they rode the elevator down, got in their car, and started driving home. And she was in tears. Her husband, Roy, said, tell me, what, what happened? What happened? She said, well, 
I just, I just got so busy. When, when the invitation came, I was just so jam-packed busy, I forgot to RSVP. And she said, I, 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 really, I really just assumed since I was a singer. Don't assume. Don't assume. Go back, if you would, to John chapter 14. Verse 4, in John chapter 14, he says this, You know the way and the place where I'm going. Thomas, remember doubting Thomas? What the heck? What are you, what are you talking about? Jesus, I have no clue, he says in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? He says in verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Man, today I would love for you to take an inventory. You've got to be a good person if you're in this room. We don't allow anybody but good people in this, uh, uh, this uh, auditorium in here. Well, except for Dale. We don't allow people in here who are. I know you're a good person, but listen, the cost of eternity is not being a good person. How do we take an offering? Do we have something we've done, put out here? That's what we do. We, we have a thing. Today, I, I hope you're going to give a, an offering. I hope you're going to tithe today. I hope you're going to give today. But listen, that's not what's required to go to heaven. I hope when you go home, you're kind to your animals and you're patient with your friends and you're forgiving and loving. But that's not what gets you to eternity. What gets you to eternity is Christ has paid for your sins. And there must be this exchange for you to trust Christ. Christ alone that you may go to eternity. Okay, I'm going to give you some instructions that I, that I want you to follow carefully. This morning, I want, if you've never received Christ, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. I'm not going to lead you here. I'm going to give you a chance if you want to meet with somebody. But I also want to give us a chance. I'm sure if I were to ask you, if you're a Christian, the majority of us would raise our hands, and that's awesome. But I want us to begin to pray, and I want us to have broken hearts for people that we know are not Christians. You're in here this morning. You're praying for somebody to be saved. Raise your hand, would you please? I want to see who you... Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Would you bow your heads right now with me this morning? Uh, my, first, my first inclination is today, if you're not here and you've never trusted Christ that I want you to think about your eternity, your reservation. I'm going to ask a couple of leadership team members to come up front because I, 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 want, I want to make prayer people available. 
If you're not a Christian, during this time, I, I want you to slip forward that you might trust Christ. Uh, you, you, you can take one of these men's hand. And then if you're here today and you have somebody you want to pray for, you want to slip forward and use the altar. Maybe you want to pray with these guys right now. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning if you want to move out and be praying for someone? Go ahead, stand right now. Stand right now to your feet. Everyone stand to your feet. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray in a few moments, but I want you to be praying for someone that you know is unsafe. You raise your hand and you're praying for them. And you want to even slip to the front and grab somebody and pray with them right now. You feel heavy and burdened. As the music plays, come right now. Slip forward and grab somebody's heart, somebody's hand and pray with them. Father, thank you so much.